Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos. Preston and Alexi are an exemplification of what I think a relationship can be. They are both profound leaders in their own right. They have created exceptional results together, um, building from scratch a, a seven-figure business, doing what they love, traveling around the world, and now creating a family of three beautiful children under the age of three. And as someone who is really looking to call forward my own queen, my own uh, partner in life in, in ways that I think one plus one equals three, right? That exponential partnership. I've been thinking about who are the people that I feel really represent that kind of a relationship and wanting to bring them to you because I know many of you listening are also either in a relationship and, and looking to take it to the next level, looking to see ways in which that relationship can yield its greatest fruit for both parties, and or like me, you are uh, have done a great deal of work on yourself and are looking for the person who you can grow and live and love with uh, for ideally the rest of your life. And, you know, I, I mentioned recently my father passed and I've been thinking a lot. My parents, it was one week before their 50th anniversary. And it's really been something I've been thinking about more lately. Like, who is the kind of person I really want to call forward? What are the qualities? Who do I need to be? Because I think that's where it starts. Who do I need to be and how do I need to show up so that I attract uh, that energy into my life? And so... I think you're going to get a tremendous amount of value in this episode. We talk about what Preston had to do uh, to call forward um, his queen, Alexi, and you know how she was resistant at first and, and the process that they went through. We talk about how they create together. We talk about their process of working through um, challenges. Um, it's really chock full of information. I think you're going to get a, a tremendous amount of value from this episode. Now, before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to two of my favorite companies that I've partnered with to bring you this content. The first, which I just knocked over, is always by my desk, is One Farm by Wayab, and they are uh, the highest quality CBD oil I have come across on the market. Everything is organic. It is extracted with impeccable quality. It's hand-picked, literally, and cultivated with extraordinary love. And they have an organic hemp uh, full-spectrum full extract, which I take on a daily basis in dropper form, as well as a turmeric lotion that I find to be amazing for its anti-inflammatory qualities. If you uh, research the endocannabinoid system, you realize it's uh, integral in all of our biology. And CBD, I think, is one of those. I mean, there's a lot of, unfortunately, you know, lesser quality CBDs, but I think high quality CBD is a great asset to have in your repertoire for health. It's also, for me at least, a great anti-anxiety aid uh, in addition to my meditation and breathwork practice. So check them out, onefarm.com backslash peak. And if you put in peak mind at checkout, you get 20% off your order. Again, that's onefarm.com backslash peak. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. This episode is also brought to you by another of my favorite com companies, Blue Blocks. 
Blue blocks are an incredibly high quality blue light blocking glass. Um, and, and their company is amazing. I actually just did an episode with Andy Mance, the founder. If you haven't listened to it, you should, because I think one of the things many of us take for granted is the role light plays in our life and light hygiene. And many of us work long days in front of computers, in front of screens, which emit blue light. And that blue light has profound effects on us, on our circadian rhythms, on our ability to get high quality sleep. And I frankly took that for granted for a very long time. And in talking to Andy, you know, 99% of the episode is actually about just the research and the benefits of light and the impact it can have on your life. And then at the end, we finally started talking about the glasses, Uh, but they've been a huge revolution in my life. Now, when it gets dark, I go to my Himalayan salt lamps, and then I put on my blue blocks if I'm doing computer work, and it's been a great revolution. So check them out. It's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and if you put in peak at checkout, you get 15% off your order. Again, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Dot com put in peak and you get 15% off your order. And without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos. All right, I am here with two of my uh, favorite humans, uh, Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos, very dear friends of mine uh, who I've known for many years and have been excited to uh, to, to invite on the show. But uh, I, I was thrilled that you guys accepted, not only because, one, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk with you, but two, you just had uh, twins to make yeah. uh, three babies under three, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, it's, it's quite the workload, but it's stretching our capacity for love and all the things, which we always... <laughs> I think that's one of the things I, I've uh, really wanted to connect with you on. So, you know, I think all of us you know, have this notion of, of having it all. And, you know, we're, we're kind of sold, oftentimes we're sold a fallacy in, in, in relationship to what that looks like. But what I admire about my experience of you, of course, uh, you know, uh, I'd love to get part of the reason for this call is to get deep with it, but is I've known you, Alexa, you and I actually moved from New York around the same time. And I knew you in a different iteration of yourself as I was in a different iteration of myself. And Preston, I met you not soon thereafter. So that was probably about six years ago, I would imagine. But in that period of time, not only have you met each other, but you have co-created a thriving business and welcomed three delightful young humans into your life. And to me, um, that is symbolic of achieving what I, what I would deeply love to create in my own life at some point. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I wanted to really delve into with you is this notion of who you got to be within yourselves to sort of call in that commensurate energy slash partnership as it relates to the journey you guys have embarked on together. So I don't know who wants to take a little bit of that uh, question first, but I, I'd, be admi- I'd, be, I'd really be, um, be into hearing kind of your, your, your individual journeys uh, to, get, to get to a place to being together. Yeah, man, for sure. And um, just to reiter- reiterate one more time, thank you for having us. We, we appreciate any chance we get to be with beautiful souls like yourself. And so... Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, and um, yeah, as we spoke about off camera or off whatever, um, I, I did six months of celibacy to, to call 
Alexian. Um, there's, there's a point when I think all of us get to a point where we're like, you know what, I'm ready. Um, and whether we're actually ready or not, uh, truth be told, I don't think we're ever ready. Um, <laughs> because, and here's why the relationship is the transformation, yeah. right? Like you can do all the work on your own, which we both did, but none of it, pale, it like it pales in comparison to actually being in the work with somebody who is having you face off with all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, I was doing the call with uh, some of my guys in Man Cave and Alexi came in. Was that yesterday or the day before? Two days, yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. And uh, without, I, I said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to ask her. I said, what made you, you know, decide that you wanted to be with me finally? Because I, I like courted her. She had all these guys around her and they all wanted to marry her as well. And uh, what was your answer? I said it was a relentless commitment. Like he was so committed and so decisive about that commitment. And we live in a world where a lot of people are kind of so-so about everything. You know, one foot in, one foot out, maybe, oh, if it works, if it doesn't, it's a sign from the universe. And he was like, regardless of any signs showing up, I know what this is and I'm here. And to me, that decisiveness, like it almost overtook my way of being where I had to pay attention because... It was just, he was such a committed yes. Mm. Let me ask a question about that because I could understand uh, how that would be the case. Because I feel like when someone has shown up to me in that way of unrequi- like unrequited, unequivocal commitment, um, obviously if it's aligned, I'm like, okay. And, and, and that, that willingness and, and trust that someone kind of has your back in a way in the context of whatever partnership I think is integral. But Preston, I know from our conversations together that your level of commitment perhaps wasn't always at that level. And, and I guess my question is, I know that you said you, you had an, an inner knowingness, mm-hmm. but you know, to go from what I understand to be probably a little bit more of a, you know, play around kind of, you know, like having a bit of fun, like to go from that level of being to saying, okay, I'm going to go celibate for whatever. I don't know six months. I think you said something like that, where you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to clear the vessel. Like, and I thought about that. And interestingly enough, I didn't do a full six months. I've now done seven months off alcohol, which is actually in part inspired by you guys. And it's been amazing to be in this, in this, for those listening, we're recording during the COVID era and to go through kind of this collective mourning slash unknown phase. Plus, uh, as you guys know, my, my, my beloved father passed and to go through that period of mourning in a totally sober way has actually been very, very beautiful. So I, I resonate with that notion of kind of like taking it on head on, but what, what was it, what was that process like, or, or what did you use to hold yourself if you will in that commitment to yourself first? Cause I imagine that commitment to yourself preceded the commitment in what Alexi saw in saying, okay, I trust that he's really committed, you know? Cause I think a lot of dudes will be like, yo, I'm committed if, you know, like under these circumstances, so to speak. So what, 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 what did you have? What, what did you do to hold that space such that Alexi could trust your commitment? Uh, I think it's the same thing that I do in everything in my life. Uh, is I have a high intention and I have a low attachment. Uh, a lot of people are deeply attached and uh, attached to what it looks like, smells like, talks like, walks like, and the time frame from which that thing comes into their life and they want it to stay in their life. And so um, I early on started to recognize 
that um, the universe could only do for me what it could do through me. And so uh, keeping my vibration in alignment and holding sort of like the, the intention and, and trusting, right? This is a whole nother beast. And we could talk about this for days and days and days. I trusted the feeling, the internal feeling that I had about this woman. And I let go of the time frame from which I thought that should happen. For me, I was like, that's her, this is it. And if that means one minute from now or one year from now, I signed up, I'm in, I got it. I hear you, God, let's do this, right? A lot of people, uh, just try to control everything. And so I've learned how to let go and let God. And, and that I think was integral in our sort of dealings. Cause she didn't even kiss me for a, what, month. a month. Yeah. And we hung out like every day. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know that part. Yeah. So, so and that kind of goes to what I want to contribute is, the low attachment. So a lot of women, especially female clients that we both work with, I work with, have this thing like it has to happen soon. It has to happen now. Where's my king? I'm looking for. And it's like, work on you, focus on you, make sure you've got your queendom in order and make sure you're, you've worked on owning yourself in your business, owning yourself in your spirituality. Like, do you even know who you are outside of partnership? Because a lot of women kind of get lost in partnership and they're looking for their person to kind of go, oh, here's what I like. Here's my hobbies. It's like, do you actually really know yourself yet? And that's something that I, I spent that year fully dedicated to for myself. When I moved out to LA, I had just gotten out of a four-year relationship and I had been a serial monogamous. Four years before that, it was three years. Before that, it was two years. So I had never really been on my own and I wanted to get to know myself during my Saturn return, you know, 29 to 30, I wanted to know myself as a woman outside of a relationship. Who am I? What do I like? What do I desire? What do I fear? Where do I need work? And working on my queendom allowed me to attract somebody who was working on their kingdom. And that's such a big thing because I hear so many women like, especially women in relationships. Oh, I want my man to step up. And like, I just wish he would do X, Y, and Z. And I wish he would step into his king. I'm like, have you owned your queen? Because until you own your queen, you can't call him into his king. And it's such a symbiosis that happens that so many of us are waiting for the other person, whether it's female to male or male to female or female to female, like we're waiting for the other person to fill a void versus going, I've got voids in my life. I get to fill those. I get to be really, really clear about what I desire and where I'm willing to concede and where I'm not. And I think that year for me, taking that year off and really focusing on building my business, building myself, reconnecting to myself, because truthfully, my, my time in New York was, you know, I was kind of coming out of, like you said, another iteration of myself, the entertainment industry. I really needed to come back and recalibrate. Like who is Alexi outside of, this identity that I've created in the world. And what does that mean for my life? Not, oh, I'm doing this to be in a relationship. I wasn't even wanting to be in a relationship. And that's partially why we spent 30 days together and I didn't kiss him because I was like, do I want a relationship? I'm kind of loving being by myself. Like, yeah, let's see. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love that. I remember you telling that story. I mean, I've been for those listening, I've been I've had the great pleasure of being at your wedding and and hearing some of the stories of that of that origin story. And I know actually I remember when I first moved to Los Angeles, actually you lent me your car and you were yeah. living I think with another gentleman. This is prior to my knowing you, Preston. And what what I thought was so cool was um just hearing that degree to which um you were committed regardless like it wasn't like well if she shows me this or if he it was like no no I'm in I'm not going anywhere and I feel like that level of commitment which I think it sounds like based on what you're sharing started within and and we met largely in an arena around leadership and and kind of personal development and I I deeply admire that kind of come from of like all right I'm first I'm committed here and and let's get this let's get this straight and I do think what you what you share what you shared is so beautiful because I do think a lot of people, whether they even acknowledge it in a lecture or not, but they live in that fallacy of like the this, the Hollywood myth of you complete me, you know. And I think <laughs> to that point, it's only when we're good with ourselves and that you you I think exemplify. And let me just this is a bit of an acknowledgement, but there's not that many people where I know you both and respect and and, and love you both individually. But I think this the one plus one definitively in this context equals three or whatever number that is exponentially more than two, uh, because you both are you both are your own selves, but yet somehow the combination. And I've even seen it in not that this is what it's it's about, but I've even seen it in the in the in the way in which you flourished professionally, at least from my point of view, right? Like I I would I would say that, you know, in the in the in the time that I've known you, uh, you both have commensurately like up leveled, and it seems like holding whilst holding more and more and more, right? It's like okay, both of your businesses have continued to thrive. I'll say also for me, I think once you brought in family, it was like something about it clicked in another way, like embodied because it was like, all right, yeah, here's two good. You know, it's like it's one thing I think it would be like, oh, yeah, here's two good looking, guys, you know, cats. And yeah, they're, they're successful, whatnot, you know, but like, you know, maybe it's a little easier Then all of a sudden throw three kids in there. And you're like, oh, OK, well, they got to be practicing what they preach because, you know, that, that that's the real talk right there. So so tell me a little bit about how that once you journeyed into like family life, how, how you've had to hold a different space to enable that professional th- uh, thriving whilst also I imagine the relationship tension must be, yeah. must be real. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. And that, and, and kind of going back to something you said in the beginning, cause I think this is an ethos that really helps Preston and I with family, with relationship, with business is that idea of like, you can have it all. Mm. We actually don't fully buy and all right. Yeah. This, more. Yeah. This actually is like part of our secret, I think, for success is the fact that we realize that you can't have everything all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we truly believe that you can have exactly what you want when you want it, but you've got to be willing to sacrifice in other areas. And I think about our relationship in the first phase of our relationship was really heads down. Mm-hmm. We both met at a time when we were so divinely called to build our work and to build our brands and to build our service out in the world. And we got that with each other so clearly and quickly. It was like, great, you're about it. I'm about it. Let's be about it together. And we were heads down that first phase. Then the second phase was really like coming back to us and going, okay, we've kind of really focused on building our brands and our business. Let's now deepen our love and our capacity to receive the love of each other, because that was our next 
challenge really personally Mm -hmm. when it came to our own transformation. Cut to next phase, kids, which, you know, deepening our capacity for love prepared us for welcoming in children. And it's something that, you know, in each phase, there were sacrifices that had to be made. And I think a lot of people especially people we work with, especially people who are high achievers, they go, oh, I really want the relationship, but I don't want it to hurt my business. I don't want it to hold me back. I really want a family, but I don't want it to like kill the momentum in my career. I hear that from so many women, especially because it does change the whole trajectory of your life. But the truth is, is if it's held within an authentic space and you're being authentically who you are in your business in your relationship, in your family, and there's no discerning between those three places, it's all going to support and level up everything. And the best thing that we ever did was say yes to the life that we chose and the life that we said we wanted. We never really said, okay, well, what does the industry want us to do? Oh, the industry wants us to do workshops every weekend. They want us to speak on stages all over the world all the time. We were very discerning about what we said yes to because we knew it was a no to something in our life design. And And we were talking about this yesterday. It's like our paths don't look like a lot of people in this industry. And we're not necessarily here to play the popular game. Sometimes our ego wants to. It's like, oh, well, if we did this, we could be like these people. But that's not our path. Our path is our path. And we've designed it and we stayed consistent on it. And that's why we're successful, not just externally, but it's why we're actually able to be present with our kids and with each other and with our friends and our family. Like that is success to us. And we defined that early on and went for it. Hmm. Beautifully said. So you, when do you, when do you have these, cause it sounds like obviously your communication game. Well, I know you're both expert communicators individually, but it sounds like your communication game with each other has to be on point, right? Cause what you're, what you, what you're in the listening, what I'm hearing is you're saying actually, which just to reflect it back because I'm taking it in is it can't have it all, all at once. And you're actually consciously choosing the level of an area in which you want to focus on, which makes sense. Cause I remember when you first met coming to your place and like the whiteboard and like the whole visioning and that whole process. And now piecing you <clears throat> up at like whatever, 4am, 5am. I feel like the first story I see is like walking through with the kid, you know, you got, they got, you got one of three kids on some aspect of your body and, you know, but at the same time, sort of sharing your, your insights and, yeah. um, but I imagine that sequence, that conscious co-creation of what you're choosing to focus on, uh, I, I really admire. From what does that come? Like, do you guys have a, is there a process by which, I mean, obviously you're living together, et cetera, but I can imagine there are many people listening who may live with their partner. They may work with their partner, but, you know, they may have three kids with their partner, but they probably maybe aren't co-creating as consciously in that level of communication with their partner. So is there, are there any processes or like, how did you actually come to that level of distinction where you're like, all right, I'm aligned to this. Let's, let's focus here now. Like how, how did that, uh, if you can, like for the benefit of those listening, how do those who are seeking to be in a more uh, conscious co-creation process that's aligned with where their partner's at? And obviously we're, we're all evolving and kind of growing in our own independent ways. Like how do, how do you find that shared commitment or like what's the communication process look like for you on that? Yeah, man. Um, 
Well, I want to start by saying it'll be different for each person because relationships are like snowflakes or like, you know, fingerprint. Yeah. Uh, and so what we'll share will be what works for us. And maybe you could try that on and see if it fits, but maybe it won't. Um, what, what both of us have an understanding of is the seasons and rhythms of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we've been sort of like a, a slinky in the opposite way. So if a slinky, instead of it going down some stairs, it went up. Um, each of us has had these moments uh, over the last you know, seven years where it's been like, bang. And then the other one's like, wait, what is that? Boom. And then they're right there with each other. And then the other one's like, well, I'm on the momentum of what you just brought to the table. So, ah, and then the other one's like, well, I don't want to be left behind. Let's do this. You know, we've spoken about this. I I don't, we don't necessarily believe in unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Love has conditions. It does. Uh, or let's say relationship has conditions. <laughs> Love just is. Yeah. Um, and so going back to what Alexi spoke about, and I'll say it in a different way, because this is a principle I live by across the board, which is elevation requires separation. So being willing to turn my back on certain things and aspects, not thinking or operating from, oh, I've lost that, but like, what am I gaining? Yeah. Right. Some people let's speak for men, for example, some men say they want a kid in a family and then they realize what that actually takes. And there's this like, oh, you know, I'm losing. I'm not able to go drink with my buddies anymore. I'm not able to go, you know, take those trips like I wanted to. I'm not able to just even, you know, go anywhere without checking in. And I don't want a ball and chain and a freaking rope and all the things that goes on in a man's head as it pertains to relationship. Well, for me, I look at that and go, what am I gaining? What am I, what am I gaining in this? And what part of my consciousness is being stretched? What, what paradigms are being bend, like bent on their side and reopened in ways I didn't know were possible? And so um, our communication isn't as literal as it may seem. It's just a matter of both of us are aligned to a few things that are fundamental about who we are as a person. The number one, I can trust forever. Alexi will always be growing, always be learning, always be evolving. She, she, I can trust that she's not stuck in the idea or the identity that she is this person, right? And she can trust the same in me. Because both of us, you know, you, only, you don't attract what you want. You attract who and what you are moment by moment. And, and, you know, of course, when you stack a bunch of those moments together, that becomes the sort of ethos from which you live from. And so both of us live from this uh, growth mindset, this place where we're always striving to, to see what else life has to offer. Um, and not like running towards something, but like just receiving Right. Like, oh, our babies are here. Let me receive what that's going to turn me into. Oh, business is here. Let me declare a million dollar business and then see what what needs to come forth in that. Oh, uh, you know. Troubles. Right. Like a lot of times people get in these podcasts and they're like, you know, convey that their relationships always run rainbows and sunflowers and all of that stuff. We've had, you know, 2019 was the worst year of my entire life. You could Mm -hmm. put. 20 years together and in 
it was none of it would equal to my dad dying and us being where we were and losing a baby and all of the things that happened in 2019. And so that was some of the best gifts I, I could have ever been given. It up leveled both of us in a way that I don't know we, we could do without it. I think it was necessary. And we joke, you know, when we found out we were pregnant with twins, we found out at a time when we were really kind of reworking our dynamic and figuring out who we were going to be together because we had both kind of graduated from the phase we were in before and figuring out who we were in these new identities. And when we found out we were pregnant with twins, we kind of looked at each other and we laughed and we're like, oh, that's why all the stuff came up because we needed enough room and energetic space for two babies mm -hmm. to come in. And they were like, y'all need to clean this up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was so divinely timed. Um, and we wouldn't have planned it that way. No. You know, it's like, that would have been the worst time to get pregnant, but it was the best time to get pregnant because it, it forced our hand and it forced our verbal commitments to each other to say, okay, let's really get in the game. Like, what do we need to do now? And I think that's something that really is another principle we live by nonstop is it's not about the external goal. It's about who we become in the process of moving towards that. And we have the external goals. We, we love chasing a big vision, but it's who we're going to become in the process for any of you listening at home. And you're like, okay, I want to create something with my partner. I want to create something in my family, in my business. Great. Have that goal, have the external and be really clear about what that is. And then sit down with your partner and say, okay, who do I need to become in order to get that? And you're going to be able to think about some of that, but some of that will not reveal until you're in the fire until, you know, every single challenge is thrown at your face and you want to give up. It's in those moments when you really, really get called into your, your graduated level of being into that next step. And when you can sit down and go, okay, P I'm headed towards this mountain and I know it's going to require me to X, Y, Z. And I know that means a sacrifice of A, B, C. Can you support me through that? Can you be here for that? Here's what I need from you in order to make that process easier. Mm -hmm. Like we had that conversation when the, when the twins came, it was like, okay, like the month before they came, it's like, all right, they're coming, they're here. What do you need from me? What do I need from you in order to feel really supported mm -hmm. during the fourth trimester, the next three months when they're here. And I feel like we've done a great job of mm -hmm. being really clear about that mm -hmm. and also holding ourselves to offering that to our partners. And that's why it's been working really well is because we've been clear on that. Let me add one more thing as well, because uh, I think it's important that people know this. Um, we both understand that, and I'll use the metaphor of the seed contains the blueprint for the entire tree. Mm. Uh, the difference between a tree that grows a thousand feet in the air and provides food and shade and all and water and the whole thing and a tree that grows three feet in the air and shrivels up and dies is the soil that it's planted in. And we started to experience our tree um, drying up. And instead of leaning on our own understanding, we went and got support. Mm. We went and planted ourselves in some soil yes. and worked with a bunch of coaches and people and said, hey, help us. I know we're the helpers. I know we're the ones that people come to, but we need help too. And so instead of, you know, we were just essentially practicing what we preach, which is, you know, when in doubt, 
focus out, go ask somebody like how, like a third party is absolutely necessary on many levels. And so uh, what that brought up, which I think is really important to hear is we weren't guarding and protecting each each other's nervous systems. Uh, I know for me, I was at points treating and being with her unconsciously as if she was like an enemy. Like she was a part of what was taking away X, Y, and Z. Uh, and, And I don't think that was a conscious thought. And I wasn't treating some of the things that Alexi had been through as like my responsibility to help her with. They were, they were burdens to me. And like just a small example is, and we were talking about this this morning, I was the guy in college and my whole life that I would leave every window, every door open, right? Like, fuck it. Who's going to come in here? If you come in here, I'm going to knock you out, right? Like, <laughs> um, and Alexi had somebody break into her house when she was a child mm-hmm. and, and she saw that person in the hallway. And so she closes every door Everything is like, did you lock it? Did you lock it? Yeah. And I was treating that as an annoyance. Like, God, look at her limited paradigm and X, Y, and Z. Instead of going, how can I protect that? How can I, how can I nourish that? How can I help her feel more secure, more safe in that? How can I take that and go to another level so my wife doesn't even have to think about it? Mm. Right? And just like that small switch. Yeah. Makes such a big difference. And both of us doing that for each other has made a world of difference. And uh, we had a coach come in and sort of shine a light on that. That really helped me see in a different way. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I think a lot of people in our industry, leaders and high performers, we get into this conversation and I know we did. uh, We get into this conversation of, we know how to do this. We have the tools. We don't need help. Right. And and you can take the micro of, of most entrepreneurs in their business. They're like, I got it. I don't need help. I I can do this, but we can't really fully scale our vision in our business until we start outsourcing. And the same goes for relationship. You can't fully scale your vision of a relationship until you're willing to let go of the reins a little bit and outsource the areas that are feeling painful for you. And we had to take our own advice in that and get, I mean, we got support from some amazing people and we learned some amazing tools that now we use in our work, but have just, they've transformed our way of being. Like we don't even think about them as distinctions anymore. It's just kind of like we are different with each other now because of that. And I think it's imperative for anybody who wants to level up in their relationship Think about the areas where you need that support. Think about the areas where you feel like, man, we haven't been able to crack this yet. And then go find somebody where where they exemplify that or that's their specialty or expertise because I promise you it's only going to scale your relationship tenfold to the point where you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe that used to be a headache for us. Like it's not even something we think about anymore, you know? 100%. I mean, I really resonate in fact, I was just talking about this. I've been using the analogy quite quite a lot of gardens. And, um, you know, you had mentioned 2019 was a very hard year for me. 2018 was was uh, was a reckoning. Uh, there's no really other way to put it. Um, but what what I you know, and there was a coach uh, coach isn't the right word. He was actually a shaman that I had seen. 
um, an actual shaman, not a Venice shaman. Uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> I got to draw that distinction out there for those listening. Uh, but he had talked about challenge and he had said to me that, that, um, that pain can be the horse that beauty rides. Mm-hmm. And he said basically that oftentimes when we go through sh- the shit, for lack of a better word, he's like, it, it, it depends on how, your relationship to it. He said also that can turn into this spiritual compost for new gardens. And for me, and I think what I'm hearing from you is, and I, and I really r- resonate with this because I also think there's a, especially in our Instagram era, there's a... I think there's a false belief that everyone we see who's giving their highlight reel has figured everything out, right? Like they've got all the answers. It's all gold, right? There's no arrival. Like you got, no one's got there and like figured it all out. It's just chilling, you know? And I think that, I think what's beautiful is to acknowledge and vulnerably. And, and that's the thing is like, I feel like again, using that context, I've, I've had the great fortune of sitting with some really wise uh, indigenous elders and what i found was like the older and wiser and more experienced the less they sort of preach a prescriptive solution it's very much welcome relatives and super humble and they share a parable or a story in which you can find your own answer your own solution and i just feel like i really resonate with uh, the the notion of what you're sharing in terms of saying hey we you know, we hit our garden was starting to like, it wasn't getting the nourishing soil. Like we weren't getting the, those, 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 those nutrients, you know, that like were giving us what we need. And so we went and we got some external, you know, fertilizers that like helped us, you know, grow. Cause I think, and I've heard you use that, uh, that, that metaphor before P with like the notion of the garden. I think it's so poignant, right? Like it's, you, the same seed can grow what to, to you know to, to one foot two foot or it can grow to a thousand feet depending on the the nourish the nourishment of that soil yeah. and i think that that's so poignant because i feel like a lot of folks start to question their own seed they start to question themselves as source as feeling less than and i feel like that notion of like it's actually in inver- and i think one of the, the uh, i'm going to just digress for one moment and then i'm going to actually bring it back but one of the things I think, this is my own personal belief, but I think, you know, as we're listening, we're amidst this coronavirus. I personally have a belief that there's a great guy in intelligence and that, that consciousness is seeking to wake up to itself mm-hmm. and that we get presented with just as the human vessel seeks balance when it's in dis-ease, yeah. the great guy in uh, consciousness sort of seeks balance when it's in dis-ease. And I think something like a coronavirus, not to make light of anyone who is encountering suffering, is in a way a reckoning, a wake up to the possibility of where we need to go to bring back balance. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's shown us that this fallacy of our individuality in a way, like this individual liberty above all else is, is false in that we are interconnected and we are interdependent and we are each other's soil, right? Just like the tree leaves turn into the nutrients for the other trees to grow. Um, oh. We are that for each other. So, I, you know, and I, I, I have been very inspired by uh, the way in which I've seen you guys grow. And, and so to bring that back to the sort of nutrients in the soil, and you, you talked about this a little bit in terms of some of the folks that you touched in on, but as it relates, and it may even be in relationship, or it may be to you as just individual sort of trees in that garden, what do you see as sort of core nutrients that you go back to, to, to re-nourish your soil when you feel depleted? That's a great question. 
I think for me, what I'm realizing more and more is it's so simple, (laughs) so simple, and we make it so complicated. It's really coming back to the the core self, the true self. And it's, it's a choice, right? Like I think my ego, we all have an ego and the ego is not necessarily a bad thing. It allows us to do a lot in the world. And sometimes we allow the ego to become the self. We allow those two to merge and we think that we are our egos or our identities. And it's in the remembrance of going and just choosing like, oh, I am not that. Like I'm playing that game and it's fun and why not? And like, let's make up some rules and see how big we can play and all of that. But that's not who I am at my core. And just simply reminding myself of that, sometimes through meditation, sometimes through a walk in nature, sometimes through plant medicine, sometimes through conversation, sometimes through looking at my child's eyes, like those are all the ingredients that can get me to that. But it's often just that reminder of like, you are not that. You are so much more than that. You are also all of that and none of that and all of you and none of you. And that like cosmic joke for me simplifies everything where it's like, oh yeah, none of this really matters. And what I think is really important isn't really that important, but I choose to play the game. So how do I want to play? And it lightens the load a little bit. And it also reminds me that the game is the seed having, the plant having to break through the seed. And like, that's something that for me had to shift in order for me to really have this relationship work. Mm. and life work in general is my relationship to the plant bursting through the seed because that's the hardest part right like a lot of us are in resistance to the struggle point the struggle point of this this plant needs to break free of its former identity in order to then not see sunlight but then to have to climb through the dark soil (laughs) right the dark night of the soul Go through it not knowing when or how or what is above in order to crack even the surface. And then once you crack the surface, oh my God, then there's bugs and and all the external things that we've got to worry about. But the relationship to the struggle is getting that that's the game I signed up for. You know, and it's like, if I get that, I win. (laughs) Because it's like, because I get it and none of it matters. And it's awesome. And it's who I become in the process of that, right? Yeah. Well said. I'd say for me, it's there's there's a quote that I've been sort of thinking about for a few months now, and it comes from the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. Hmm. Quote essentially states, uh, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And so sitting with that quote and recognizing all the ways in which the micro and the macro of the truth of that quote, the moments where I don't bring forth what is within me, even if it's just something so minuscule and small that is absolutely my truth and I bury it based on the people pleaser or the the afraid to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever the case may be, Right. Uh, Shakespeare said uh, in Hamlet or Macbeth, a coward lives a thousand deaths. And in those moments, I die a thousand times over because I'm not being true to what is within me. And then thinking about the moments where I'm in complete alignment and I bring forth what is within me, it, it, it does something. It enlivens me. It gives me energy and it reminds me of who and what I really am. 
which is pure love. And so uh, for me, that, that soil comes in and sitting in that question, am I bringing forth what is within me? Mm. True. I love that. I feel like what, 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 what it evoked in me is this notion of, I feel, you know, for me, for example, with this podcast, and you, we talked about this actually not that long ago, my ego and identity was so attached to like my, the previous notion of like something which was an iteration of and an expression of myself and, and other humans in creating this platform. But my attachment to it kept me from evoking that which was actually authentic and new that wanted to be birthed through me. And so for years, it was like, because it seemed to me in my ego, I was like, oh, well, we got Jay-Z and Beyonce on stage over here. How can you be some dude in his living room Skyping? You know, like that, that's a massive step down, you know, like that was my ego fucked with me for a long part of my language for a long time. But it, what's interesting is the gift that it has birthed forth by actually listening to that internal voice of like, you know, that, that sort of internal knowingness of like, it's not about the size of the stage it's about the authenticity of the voice you know and and that has been the you know that has been such a beautiful flowering forth because because it come because it comes uh with with that authentic charm right like at least in meditation that you know they call in in vedic meditation it's following the charm right that sort of inner aligned knowing between like the gut the heart and the head where it's like Oh yeah. And oftentimes it's the scariest thing, at least in my experience, you know, it's like that thing where you're like, Oh no, that really, that, that, that really scares me. Okay. I'm going to jump in. But I love how you're talking about, and Alexa, you brought back to that notion of also the seed. Well, one, I love that Gnostic quote, but, and then the second is that seed and like knowing that actually as you emerge, there's a whole new series of challenges, right? Like there's the aphids and the, you know, like, but it's actually not in seeing the end goal as, the rest where everything is, is all of a sudden there's no more suffering. It's actually embracing the suffering as part of the path and, and what, what evokes out of you in that process. Yeah. I love that. I want to say something to that. Cause I Please. think it's really important to connect and talk about this. I think that all, everything's at stake when I think I'm a separate self. Mm. I think that I'm a separate self and I must do everything in my power to protect and hold and attach to so that the separate self stays safe, right? When I'm playing that game, uh, I create suffering, right? And then not all of us, but many of us have had these moments on Molly, mushrooms, LSD, ayahuasca, uh, the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it, where you recognize and realize that we're all planted in the same soil and we all come from the same source and that there is really, truly only one of us here. And we are all unique emanations of the most high, but still like literally come from that thing. And that thing can never be born and therefore never die. And so when I'm operating and I'm in those spaces, when I've stepped into plant medicine ceremonies, and then stepped out of him and, and carried that along with me. It's like I'm riding this wave of true knowingness. It feels so true in my body. It feels so true. Even when I just look at nature, right? We were doing this the other day. It's just like, okay, so this whole thing is cyclical. Yeah. Everything is touching everything and everything is informing everything and everything is itself, right? Like it's like the flower is not struggling to be the tree. The hummingbird isn't struggling to be the spider. They're just all isness. 
And when we try, like that word try in our workshops and people are like, I'm trying. It's like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. The try is the problem. Stop Mm -hmm. trying. (laughs) And not in a way that you think where it's like, I give up, there's nothing to do. But the thing to do is to be your most authentic version of yourself. And authenticity is moment to moment to moment to moment. There is no end authentic version of yourself where it's like you could paint it and 10 years later go, that's the most authentic version of me still. No. We're always growing. We're always evolving. We're always shedding. We're always expanding. We're always collapsing. Nothing is stagnant in life. And when we forget that everything is cyclical and seasonal, as are we as human beings, that's when we get into the phase of, I should be somewhere else. I should be someone else. I should have someone else. And we create this pain in our lives versus going, what lesson is here for me in this current iteration, in this current season? What is God, life, source trying to teach me, trying to move through me, trying to show me that I'm unwilling to see in this present moment? And when you get that, like that for us as a couple has changed the game because, again, in those seasons of winter, when things feel really dry and brittle between us, mm-hmm. that source trying to tell us something. That spirit going, hey, there's some nutrient, there's some deficiency in your nutrient soil here. And we need to talk about that. But if we're in resistance to winter, wanting it to be summer, we're screwed. Yeah. Because it will never be summer in a season of winter. So we have to embrace winter and all of its lessons. So, so poignant and so true. I think we often look at other people's seasons and then reflect and, and, and somehow feel like ours are off or wrong or something like that. You know, someone else's summer, you might be in your personal winter, but like if you start judging your experience by someone else's summer, you know, you're just like acting against nature, you know, like it, it, it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't, you know, it doesn't shift like that. And I think that's, I think the metaphor of the season, I think to bring it back a little bit to what both of you are sharing and I, I loved it is like, there is that if we are blessed to have through whatever means, uh, that notion of our oneness, right, that notion of the love, which is all of us. And it's my particular belief, again, to bring it back that I think the guy, the great guy in consciousness is seeking to, for all of us to wake up unto the self, which is all of us in, in unity and in love, which I know is, is one of your core messages. And and so I feel like it's sort of working to get right. And to you, what you were saying, Alexi, like that notion of our rightness is not a try. It just is. It's our isness. And yeah. oftentimes it's, it's our resistance to what is that is what's perpetuating the suffering. But when we actually express that which is so authentic to us, there's such deep medicine in it. And I think the other piece that just occurred to me is just like, there's also the ecstatic experience, right? Like that feeling, because all of us at times have that personal summer, that love, that feeling that is that oneness, and then we come down or we come back or we, whatever happens, right? Like winter comes, right? And I think, I think the thing is the other piece is like the work is also not just in the ecstasies, it's in the integration. And yeah. I think that goes back to what you guys were sharing a little bit earlier, where it's like, you know, it, it isn't roses all the time. You have to go through those winters because again, those seasons are cyclical. So and I they, so, grow you. they grow you. And they grow you and you guys. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to be mindful because I know you have you have a few only a few more minutes. And I'd love because I'm sure a lot of people listening have been uh, captivated by by what you've shared. Wh- what are the best ways for people to to delve more deeply into your work in the world? 
Yeah, on Google, I'm Alexi Panos everywhere. I play mostly on Instagram these days in terms of social media, but check out my website, YouTube videos. Um, we've got a relationship course as well, bridgetolove.com. And we've got our Bridge Experience workshops, which are phenomenal and the best in the transformation game because we like to push all the limits and then some. So definitely check those out. Yeah, and for me, it's at Preston Smiles on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook, PrestonSmiles.com. But yeah, I would highly suggest if you are in a relationship and wanting to deepen it and taking it to another level, BridgeToLove.com. Go there. We literally share everything we learned from going through our winter in our relationship. And, you know, it's, it's the tools that saved us. Mm. Well, I just want to take a moment before we close here in the next minute and acknowledge you guys, uh, because I've known, i Alexi, you and I have known each other now over a decade uh, and Preston probably now six, seven years. And I have, you know, known both of you as obviously incredible humans, but it's been a real honor for me and a real inspiration, if I'm honest, to see the way in which you both show up for each other and have pushed yourself to be that the, the most authentic seed you can be in terms of your flowering forth. And the degree to which it's evoking in others sort of the elements of, of seeking that sunshine to, 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 to blossom forth, I think, is, is really beautiful and I know will continue to happen. So I just want to say I, I really um, am honored to be a friend and uh, I'm so grateful for how you show up for each other, for your three beautiful children. Uh, I haven't met the I haven't met the youngest twins yet, but once we get out of the coronaverse, I, I look forward to that. And um and just just the way that you are beacons of light. So thank you guys for the love that you share. Oh, of course. Thank you for having us. And, and all of that back to you. We love you. Love you too. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Preston and Alexi, two dear friends and I think really insightful teachers. Uh, I have uh, had the great pleasure of knowing them for years, and it's been wonderful to watch them grow. Uh, it's very rare that I have the amount of admiration I do for seeing how folks uh, come together and the way in which they evolve and being super inspired by what they created together in terms of their business, their family, and just how they show up. Definitely check them out online. Uh, if you get a chance to work with them, uh, give it a go. I, I highly recommend it. And if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review on uh, iTunes. It's, uh, it really helps us get great guests and to move up in the algorithm to grow this community. Uh, you guys listening means the world to me. I do not take it for granted. Uh, I so appreciate your time, your energy, your love. You can always leave me feedback um, at Michael Trainer. And if you want to tag uh, this episode, uh, send it to a friend that could benefit from it um, or share us on Instagram. It's just at Michael Trainer, at Alexi Panos, at Preston Smiles. I'll, uh, I'll link everything below in the show notes. And with that, please go out there, guys, and live your inspired life.